0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to After Awakening. I'm here with the healer and international speaker, Deborah Wayne. Deborah, how are you doing?
1: So glad to be here, Ryan. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. So, you are the founder, uh, the creator of the International Chronic Pain Institute, and the creator of a technique called high-speed healing. Um, Yes. You've helped thousands of people virtually um, with chronic pain, depression, anxiety, trauma, weight loss, binge eating, chronic fatigue, insomnia, and all kinds of mysterious chronic conditions. And you and I met each other on Clubhouse, and I was really intrigued by some of the information that you were able to share. I could tell that, I'm just going to be frank about this, right? Yeah. So, there's, so there's people who say they're healers. right Right. and then there's people who like actually understand this and have done it and have executed and really produce results and i can tell that you're that kind of person so i have some intricate questions i want to ask you about healing and before we get into that of course i want to hear your story and how this really all started for you so let's let's dial back and see you know where did this begin were you always spiritual did you always have gifts or was life at one point normal and then one day it wasn't anymore, what happened?
1: Yeah, it's pretty fascinating because in hindsight I can look back now and see that I was being prepared for this my entire life but I didn't know it, I had no clue. Um, I started dance lessons at the age of four and I just wanted to be a dancer more than anything in the world and I did end up becoming a, a professional dancer but I was learning about energy. and space and Seeing without your eyes behind you, but I had no clue and I went on and became a visual artist same thing I've always worked with my hands. I've always been interested in um, The invisible realm I learned to meditate when I was 15 But here's what really happened 35, almost 36 years ago. I'll take you back to the pivotal moment. Uh, it was a regular Monday morning, get up, go to work Monday morning. But that morning, I found myself lying on the floor of my walk-in closet, and I couldn't stop crying, and I could not get dressed, and I could not go to work, and I was out of ideas, and I was in pain from head to toe, and I really wanted to die. I had all kinds of physical stuff going on, my hair was falling out, I had ulcers, I hadn't slept in years without pills, I um, my stomach hurt no matter what I ate, I had PMS so bad I had to lie down three days out of every month just lie there because I was in so much pain and nothing stopped the pain. I had muscle and joint pain, I mean uh, everything hurt and I was filled with anxiety and depress- depression just back and forth, I'd flip flop back and forth. My mind never shut up, and it was a very critical committee up there. Now, from the outside looking in, my pain made no sense and my life looked great. Big, gorgeous home in Scottsdale, Arizona, handsome husband, money in the bank, BMW in the garage, like everything looked pretty darn good. (laughs) But that day I crashed and burned and I had been um, living for quite a number of years taking pills, all day long to kill the pain and drinking till I passed out at night because I couldn't sleep and I had a long time affair with Ben and Jerry and I would just binge eat pints of ice cream just to try to numb out and feel better um so the long and the short of it is is I lying on the floor of my closet that day I literally was having suicidal thoughts that's how bad it was and nobody knew because I wasn't talking about it I, I had gone to doctors and i Nobody could find anything on a medical test and the things they did find I would do what they told me to do and nothing Nothing helped So I was beyond frustrated. I was terrified And I was always anxious like how am I going to go on like this? So that day I Literally looked up at the ceiling of the closet and I screamed out To a god that I didn't believe in at that time and I just said if there's anything out there I need help, and it, but it was a desperate crying out, okay? And I'm here to tell you I had an experience that I was not expecting. <laughs> Within seconds, I was enveloped in a bubble of the most amazing unconditional love and peace that I'd ever felt. It literally filled the closet, it was a presence, it was real, it was palpable, it was not something I knew before. And I immediately stopped crying. I felt calm. I knew everything was going to be OK. And I literally got up. I went in the other room. I picked up the phone. And I called someone that was a professional. And for the first time, I really asked for help and told the truth about how I felt. Now, this began what i would call a healing journey which at the time if you had said those words to me i'd be running out the door because i thought that was so corny like healing journey is so stupid and i i just didn't believe in any of that stuff and i didn't want to go on a healing journey i wanted a pill to fix it but there were no pills to fix it i had tried that for years and so i began to um explore healing in a brand new way and the key ingredient was meditation. And what I did was I had learned to meditate when I was 15. Something in me was knew I needed to learn to meditate when I heard the word for the first time. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know anyone who had meditated before. I just knew I have to learn to do that. So I learned at 15. But I had stopped after I got married and you know started my career and all this. I, I stopped thinking I'm just gonna like throw that work, that stuff away. It's just too airy-fairy for me. Well, I started meditating again, and I had a series of profound spiritual experience experiences that went on for over uh, the course of an entire year. And very rapidly, I was shown. Literally, I could see, I could feel, I knew stuff I shouldn't even know, but I knew that everything was made of energy and vibration and light, and I could see it. I could see the walls vibrating. I levitated, I, could, I knew my body was made of energy and I knew that I was going to be able to heal. And I felt this life force energy flowing through me and flowing through my hands in particular. And I heard that it was gonna be used for healing myself and other people. And I thought, oh God, they're gonna lock me up. <laughs> I come from a medical family, Ryan okay allopathic conventional in-the-box medical family show me the data and the double blind studies and i have an inner guidance telling me you're going to be this is your mission like you're going to be helping people okay so i didn't just immediately start telling everybody i thought i was cracking up and i started to um i took some time off from work so that I could do things like spend time in nature, learn deep breathing, meditate more, journaling, like things that I just thought were so stupid before. I I actually took time to really work on myself. And um, I started to have these, just a series of experiences, where like, for example, I would get up in the morning and I would just have this urge to go to the library. In those days they had libraries. And so I went to the library and literally a book would fall off the shelf and open and it would be exactly what I needed to read. And I started discovering these synchronistic experiences throughout my days and they were happening regularly. And I I clearly was being guided about spiritual healing. And I became fascinated with it and I explored it, and so then I found myself invited to workshops and classes and things that I normally would not have signed up for, but people said, oh, you have to come to this. And I would find myself in a room with people learning different healing techniques, and I remember sitting there for a long time, looking around, they're all having these magnificent experiences, and I'm thinking, am I the only one? I don't feel anything, I don't get it. I, I was so skeptical, and I thought, God, what am I even doing here? But it kept happening and I kept going and following this trail. And within a relatively short time, I became aware of an entire world that I knew was very real and that was my path to follow. And I first I really thought it was just gonna be for me personally. But I did, and I did end up going back to school and that's where I discovered, I have a passion for teaching. I have a passion for, counseling and so i started to get uh, new degrees and certificates and and workshop after workshop and still not telling anybody about the the hands on hands off healing only the people closest to me and then i started having experiences where i was needed to allow this energy to flow through my hands in these emergency situations i knew that i had to help and I had a series of those and that's when i saw like miraculous things happening and i went oh my god like this is very real and this is what i came here to do and i started being excited about it now in the early years i didn't know what i was doing so i got um, i became a reiki master i always knew i didn't fully resonate with reiki but i i just needed to call it something and have a structure or something so i sort of kind of did reiki for a while <laughs> but um, but I did it my own way based on my inner guidance I wasn't really following Reiki is a technique for those that are listening and don't know where you touch the exact same 26 points on everyone's body you touch the body and you picture these symbols and um, it's a a hands-on healing technique but I knew that I was doing something different but I wasn't clear yet what I was doing and over time more and more was revealed and I had um, another really profound spiritually transformative experience see after I became a yoga teacher that's when I think things started to really click in because I realized the yogis have been talking about this invisible realm of healing for thousands of years the subtle energy bodies this is part of yogic studies and I went that's what I'm doing Then it started to make sense, and I also felt more comfortable talking about it and demonstrating and working on people within the yoga community. So I started offering, I I taught yoga. After I started teaching, I started offering these Reiki sessions. And I was teaching a workshop in 2006 uh, on Kona in Hawaii. And I went, I said, if, if anyone wants Reiki while we're here, I'm more than happy to facilitate that, and everyone did. And I went to do the first Reiki session and I raised my hands and I heard an audible voice say, you're done with Reiki, just stand there. And I felt like someone turned on a fire hydrant and the energy coming out of my hands was like nothing I had ever experienced before. And for the first time, I knew 100% it was not Deborah. It was a higher source and it was coming through me, but it was not me and I allowed it to come through me and I knew I did not need to touch the body. And I just began working in the field around the body. And this was what I really considered to be the birth of high-speed healing, was that day on Kona. I had been preparing the soil for that and working on my head and all the conditioning and the fears I had. And I had cleared enough of that out that I believe that day was the turning point. I've never looked back since that day. By that time i had become a hypnotherapist and counseling and all these things and i just never did any of that again because i had the most profound healing experiences with everyone on my table the entire time over 10 days and when i that 10 days not only transformed those people but it transformed me and i said okay god okay universe like it would be selfish of me to not share this with the world so i'm in I don't know how how, or what you want me to do, so show me, but I'm in. And I've never looked back and I've been able since that time to literally work with probably hundreds of thousands of people at this point in 150 different countries. Uh, at first it was, I opened an office and it was one-on-one, and, but then it became very apparent, again, through guidance that I was ready for groups and then virtual. And it's just been an ongoing morphing, changing, ever-expanding experience for me and and the people i've worked with
0: what an awesome (laughs) i love i love how the day came and it just said you're done with that
1: done yeah
0: boom this massive pillar and source of energy just started to flow through you just incredible
1: yeah
0: the the energy that began to descend and that that higher source that began to manifest through you Mm -hmm. Do you understand how it works or does it do the healing itself? And like you are just completely out of the way.
1: Um, It's kind of both now. You know, my understanding of it has changed over the years. I knew at first it it wasn't me, it was doing the healing and I was uh, allowing myself to be the conduit for it. And over time, I actually became aware of science behind all of this. So yes, it's spiritual. But it's also based on physics. And for some unbeknownst reason, I, well, I, I believe I prepared the soil for it, but I um, got Deborah enough out of the way, like you suggest, to be able to access what I call the real galactic live stream, which is, you know, frequencies of healing are streaming through our universe, through our cosmos. But people don't, they're not aware of that. And until you're very sensitive, and until you are open to it, and until you've cleared out enough of the fears and all the doubts and the worries and the, oh, they're going to think I'm crazy, and all of that mental conditioning, you probably won't even have access to it. Um, But it's really scientific, and it's spiritual. And so I also have discovered over the years that It has become so fully integrated. There's no contrast between me and it anymore. Like I am it and I am doing it. It's fully integrated. It has been for a long time. It's available 24/7. I don't have to turn it on or off or prepare for it. There's no rituals. Um, I've even literally, (laughs) I'll never forget. I was going to Hawaii another time and I was on my way back and The gentleman sitting next to me on the airplane just a regular man who uh, we started chit-chatting and he asked me what I did and um, before I really shared what I did he ordered his food and went to pick up his drink to take a sip and he literally like went to a deep meditative state closed his eyes and I went oh my god this gentleman has just gone into a full-blown session even though I didn't do a formal session just by being in my field sitting next to me so i just quickly scanned his field to see if i could get a sense of what was going on and i did and i knew he had heart issues but i didn't know if that meant physical or emotional or both so i just sat there with this energy throbbingly pulsingly through me for an hour and a half it went on and i in fact at one point i thought like when is this going to stop And finally I noticed him starting to move a little movement and fluttering his eyes open and it took him a while he couldn't speak right away but he had a grin from ear to ear and he looked at me and he said I don't know who you are or what you do but I have had six heart surgeries and they still haven't found the cause of what's going on with me but whatever you did and whoever you are I now know exactly how it started, why it started. It's resolved. I am healed. I will never have this issue again. And I can't thank you enough. <laughs> and he went and ate his lunch. And I mean, he called me every day for a month to just thank me, thank me, thank me. So being in my energy field, just sitting, we were on the side of the plane where there were just two seats. And what's really interesting is when I, I noticed him in the, in the lobby at the airport and I got a vibe and when I got on the plane it was him and I sat in my seat and he looked at me and he right away said, you know, I noticed you in the lobby and I really wanted to talk to you but I was afraid to come over because I thought you'd think I was hitting on you but I'm so happy you're sitting here. He didn't know why but he felt a resonance and he ended up having a full-blown healing session and that's why he was drawn to me Mm. and it was just me sitting there. so. My point being I have become it and it is me and I am it and I don't always know when I will be used for healing purposes. I'm sure there's a lot of times that I've never even been aware of it consciously. Um, sometimes I'm, it happens like that and, some, and many, most of the time it's conscious and I purposely do a formal session but uh, I am it now. <laughs> I'm one with it, let's put it that way. I'm one with the source of the power of it, completely integrated.
0: And how many years did that take?
1: Well, God, it probably took lifetimes, I just don't remember them, you know? But it, um, it well, it took from 1984 until 1991 for me to come out of the closet and work, that's how much, garbage i had in my head to work on so it took quite a while and the hardest part was that between here and here that was the hardest part of all of it and then in 1990 but you know if you look at my upbringing it makes sense i mean but and the world that we were living in and back then i when i became a reiki master no one even knew what reiki was today they're like oh is it like reiki everybody it's a household world word but back then i was one of the first reiki practitioners around like they they didn't exist so the world has come fast and far in just a few years and um and that's what's happening now it's all cyber speed so then and then after that you know a lot happened between 1991 and 2006 but then since 2006 it's been it's just been a rocket ship nonstop and very focused And I'm very clear on what I'm here to do.
0: So you'd say from about the initial descent of the power to when that separation was gone, 20 years.
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. So I I pointed that out because I wanted to point this out because uh, many people listening to this show, are they have – just to be clear, unrealistic expectations. Yes. Unrealistic expectations. They think they're going to go to Thailand and do a 90 day or 30 right. day meditation retreat and they're going to get enlightened and merge with yep. the source and the integration and the lessons are all finished. It's just, I've never seen it. I've never seen it.
1: Well, I, I love that you're even bringing this up because you're right. And it's frustrating to me because people, I do teach and I do train and people come and they expect, you know, and in, 48 hours to be able to do everything I've done. Now, here's the thing. I mean, I can literally speed up the process for people, but will they be able to go out into the world like I have and do it in its full of a way? No, typically, because this they have to work on this i i won't even i won't even train people who don't allow me to work with them first to help them more rapidly clear out the conditioning because it gets in the way and you will only take someone as far as you've gone you'll shut them down because you'll be terrified when rage comes up or you know some trauma comes out that you weren't expecting or uh, you don't even know your own traumas in there and they trigger it i mean there's work to do for all of us It may not have to take 20 years i know how to speed it up for people now i do that's why i created my pain-free living program to help people not have to have a closet crisis and spend 30 years but i love what you're saying because it's it's unrealistic to although i've seen it happen i won't say never but it, it in general um there's work to do we came to earth school to do this work so I've
0: heard of the Instantaneous Awakening, right? Yeah. Eckhart Tolle, Yeah. Heard heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> never yeah. personally seen it, but I've heard of it.
1: Well, I had one woman, uh, I'll never forget. I was, uh, in the early days, I used to do holistic health fairs and I would just set up a massage table right in public and do these little mini sessions. And people could watch me and and they were gather around because they could feel it and they could see people would be moving and flipping and flopping on the table and all kinds of things happening and one woman came up to me later at the end of one of those uh, health fairs and she said, I stood in front of you as you worked on someone and I realized later that day that all my healing abilities are now turned on they're completely working, and that's what I came here to do. And I wanted to thank you. She didn't even get on my table. She literally was in the field around us and got activated by it. Now, but see, that's somebody who's already done preparatory work that she may not realize over lifetimes. Absolutely. And not everybody has that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to ask this question: Yeah. Why are so many spiritual people sick? <laughs>
1: Well, I don't think there's one simple answer. I will speak for myself. Uh, there are several things that I have that have been revealed to me. Number one, it has given me unbelievably tremendous compassion for people that I would not normally have had had I not been gone through a lot of health hell. Uh, there's pretty much. Uh, everybody that comes to me I've pretty much had what they've had (laughs) I've had so many things um, that I can not only relate to it and have compassion for them but I actually have an inner experience that that can help them because I learned from every one of those illnesses or symptoms and um, they've been valuable. I think on some level, not all, but at least I'll speak for myself, I may have volunteered to learn in that way, in a physiological way. It's I'm a very kinesthetic. I mean, look at my dance training. I learn by having it and feeling it in my body. That's my number one way of learning. In fact, even if I read a book, I have to underline it, to feel it in my body, to really get it at a deep level. So it makes sense for me personally that I would want to go through something. I I always like to experience it physically, even if I'm uh, in a new place. If I'm the passenger in a car and I'm not driving, I won't remember anything. But if I drive and I physically feel it in my body, I'll remember things. So I think that is part of it. Um, The other thoughts that have come to mind are that the body is an instrument of learning. Well, it's tied into what I just said, really, but the body's an instrument of learning. And we have judgment around sickness. Now, granted, I don't believe sickness is our natural state, but it's an amazing teacher. And I'm not opposed to it, that or pain. In fact, without pain, most people would never do anything about it. Uh, It takes extraordinary pain and disease for most people to do something about it. And when the pain is greater than the fear of changing, people change. But unfortunately, on planet Earth, the number one way we've learned is the no pain, no gain. We don't recognize that we can learn from other people's experiences. That's a very mature, advanced way to learn. And most people aren't there. They have to go through hell to finally do something. So. Um, I'm no different. I was was and am very hard headed. Don't tell me what to do. I got this. I'll figure it out. Thank you very much. Keep your advice to yourself. I was like that. and I'm still like that. And so I I think I went through a lot in, until I recognized there's an easier softer way and I can be open and I don't have to fight and struggle You know I don't anymore I don't fight and struggle as long and and also it's from resisting see people go through health hell because they're resisting instead of allowing these symptoms to come up and move because it's all made of energy the emotions the thoughts the physicality it's all made of energy vibration well what do we do we've been trained to cut it out or drug it out stop it make it stop make it go away instead of learning from it. There's a message in all of it. There's something to learn from all of it. And that's what I love to do is help people go deeper. And I think most healers are guilty of it as well. They, um, well, one of two things, they're either resisting to learn from it or they wanna learn from it. So they're bringing it on um, in order to, to learn from it. And there's one last thing. So many healing practitioners I've worked with and trained, they have a false belief running that they're taking on other people's stuff. So they are super sensitive in general. And they have what I call a valve that's always open. And it's always saying, yes, yes, I want to. They call themselves empaths usually. They're very sensitive to information, which... Appears as light and color and noises and sounds and people and emotions and their pain and their this and and so but they're ta- they're so they're so open and uh, easily able to feel what other people are feeling or sense what's in the environment that they literally take it in but then they try to stop it because they feel overwhelmed by it and they don't know how to release it and then they can get sick or uh, exhibit a lot of symptoms from all the information that they're trying to process. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to want to have you touch on, touch on that more because I was with a friend, uh, Amy Dublay and she's a therapist and she was, she was saying all empaths have been traumatized. They all have uh, most, almost all of them have undergone some kind of trauma, uh, The trauma creates a specific response that actually awakens empathic ability. Could you talk about that a little bit? It's like there's so much pain in the body. You have to sense – it's like your sensory awareness has to go outward. What's your take on that?
1: Well, I I think that is one possibility. I don't think it's the only possibility. But, yeah, if you – when you are in that mode of I have to survive and um, when you are sensing danger – you will, like an octopus, start sending those tentacles out. uh, And you'll open up to information um, 24-7, which can become information overload. Now, it may have come from a trauma, from an accident, from an injury, from abuse, from neglect, from harsh conditions, from childhood, from anywhere along the way. But it doesn't always have to come from trauma either. I think that some people are naturally empathic and they are, you know, they exhibit that early on Um, and some people really have to work. I've met people who are not empathic at all, but they still were able to develop that and become healing practitioners. Um, The sensitivity though, you know, lots of people have sensitivity to all this information, but. There's a lot of myths and beliefs around all of it that I think cause healing practitioners to actually make it worse because they're afraid of it. They actually feel, they're feeling it. They're, they're kinesthetic learners. So they feel it and they're overwhelmed by it because most people are afraid of what they can't understand logically with their mind. And if they, they go into, the, they have something unknown happen, they start telling a story about it in their head that's what causes the trauma is the story we tell ourselves from what we're sensing that we don't understand and i think that may have more to do with the problem than being born as an empath that's just my opinion though um i'm sure that they're both accurate you know both valid to some degree um but all of it is changeable you know i don't find every healer has trauma but what i have found Well, I mean, we're all basically in the world we live in today. We've all been traumatized to some degree. We just have, I mean, driving a a two ton weapon with somebody four inches from your bumper, that's trauma. You just learning to drive in California, it's traumatic. You don't have to be in a war zone. Um, but there's something else you made me think of that. So when I work with mostly a lot of people who have had chronic health conditions, like where they've tried everything and nothing's worked and where nothing even shows up on a medical test, right? But they clearly have symptoms. And one of the most uh, common ones that people come to me for is when they've been given the diagnosis of fibromyalgia and or chronic fatigue syndrome. And fibromyalgia, if you Google it, it says there is no cure. Um, There's, you you have to learn to manage it, maintain it. You're going to have a pain rest of your life and people do all kinds of stuff for that pain from heavy prescription drugs to um, natural supplement all kinds of things what I have found in every case is that the pain is masking their deeper emotional empathetic nature and that oftentimes and this is this goes beyond just people with fibromyalgia but oftentimes most children come into this world very aware that there's an invisible realm and they sense a whole lot of things that adults don't and after a certain age they're told grow up you're imagining things it's time to put away those imaginary friends big boys don't do that you know so they unlearn the actual connection to spirit to source to the invisible realm to the metaphysical and the mystical. They, they, are, they have it suppressed and repressed. And I find that that is the root problem that shows up as disease symptoms and pain symptoms. And that once I help people release the symptom, the way the symptoms are presenting, they go right back into discovering that they're highly sensitive beings to the spiritual. And it comes um, it comes alive again, and then we work on not being afraid of the, of looking silly or you know, people judging you or you judging yourself, um, and we work on that. But there's so many people that tell me. In fact, this is years. For years, I had an office, and I just worked one at a time. And almost everyone would say, "Oh, Deborah." i had this experience i can't tell anyone i can only tell you now if they if, you know it started to dawn on me if all these people would get together and i got them together and they started talking they'd realize they're not crazy they're not weird and they're one of hundreds of people having these spiritual experiences it would happen in childbirth it would happen from car accidents it would happen um in nature it would happen sometimes on purpose they would take a a drug a psychedelic drug it would often happen spontaneously though when they were meditating or swimming or whatever it is people were having a lot of experiences and it was making them aware that they were empathic that there was information beyond the visible realm and that they had a sense for that a gps internally so i think there's a mixture of reasons and ways that it gets turned on and turned off. I don't know that it's always trauma unless it's a carryover from a parallel experience that's possible. I don't know that I have the black and white answer for that. I just know, uh, I've witnessed it a lot.
0: Would you say that the belief or a strong conviction, conviction in the thought, I am the healer can be dangerous for some people. Um, you mentioned that there was this source that began to come through you and it wasn't you, it was it. Yes. So is this, I get that there's important, it's important to have confidence, but is can this be a slippery slope when you begin to think it's, it's your power as opposed to the power of the source?
1: Yes, it can. I think that's what's happened in uh, quite a few religions actually, is that initially there was contact from a higher spiritual source, but a person started thinking they had this great power and then they started, you know, what I call the the wrong use of will, which is trying to get power over people. See, true healing, a a healing practitioner, a, a real, one that's based, in my opinion, in truth, will, acknowledge the fact that you have your answers inside of you. I don't have your answers. I'm not going to heal you. I'm going to hopefully get good enough to draw out of you your own awareness, your own answers. I am able to, yes, give a leg up to a different vibratory frequency for people till they're able to even get out of the muck and mire that they're often in from their conditioning, from their life experiences. But then it's not, you know, I don't have power over people at all. Um, In fact, you know, really, this all came from powerlessness. (laughs) When you really acknowledge that, new power flows in. When you acknowledge, finally, that's why my health hell was so humbling. I think it just smashed my ego because I, I had, for the first time in my life, I was out of answers. I was out of the will to fake it till you make it. I couldn't even get dressed and go to work and pretend everything was fine one more day. I was just flattened to the floor of my closet saying, "I'm done here unless there's something out there that can help me. That's like the the humiliation that leads to humility, you know, but um that's also where I discovered there's a power greater than Deborah and um so so yeah it can be very dangerous if somebody misuses this ability um, and I know also a lot of people become concerned about well how do you know what you're bringing in is love like I, I run into this as well where people are afraid like well what if it's the devil or what if it's Dark or negative and all of this that that issue comes up as well. So I guess you could say either way, people can find a problem with it with it no matter what.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, but my take on that is, like the quote in the Bible says, "Judge them by their fruits
1: exactly. yeah, yeah, and you know what, and it's also why it took me all those years before I felt safe enough to come out of the closet. Literally and uh, work with people. I spent two years in that office working on hundreds of people day in and day out and Recording writing down notes like a scientist would just I wanted to make sure there was some kind of consistency or it was revealing to me a lot of information because I had no mentor and I didn't know the science in those years either I just was following my intuition exclusively and it was being revealed to me by doing it. And in fact, you mentioned confidence. Confidence doesn't just show up, even if the source of the universe is flowing through you. Confidence comes from competence and competence comes from practice. You do something long enough day in and day out, you develop competence and then you're more confident because you, you know the results that you get. That's the only reason that I'm able to do what I do and feel comfortable.
0: Fantastic. The right now, it's very trendy to go on these ayahuasca journeys and just psychedelic tourism and all of that. And mm. what I rarely hear people talk about is, despite that, that is really useful for healing. I know people have been transformed for that by mm. that. I've also seen the other side of what <laughs> of what that leads to. Mm, there could like, be some major warping. Yeah. of the crown chakra and some serious neurochemical imbalances. Have you had to work on people like this? Because a lot of yes. this type of audience listens to my show. What exactly is going on here?
1: Yeah, well, I have. I've seen the dark side of it. Um, really what it is is it's, they're not integrating back into the 3D in their body well. They're having these very expanded experiences. They are tapping into greater awareness. With the use of the plant medicine or a drug, a hallucinogenic, and yet again, and, and uh, I'm not a doctor, and I have, I'm not a neuroscientist, but um, what I suspect, it what it has, re- seems to me from, you know, talking to enough people who've gone through this and had the adverse reactions, is first of all they may not have been very stable to begin with, they may not have done enough work to clear out the dark. Um, Um, Not dark. That's not the right word, but like their own fears and doubts and myths and misconceptions um, And parts of themselves that they don't like in fact that they're probably terrified of if you don't do any inner work before you explore all of this that stuff comes up in in your face many times and in order to handle Frightening experiences many people just leave they just they just leave and then they're kind of out here But they're not in here and then they don't reintegrate after these um, journeys because they They are that's what trauma is. They got they became traumatized and afraid Of what they saw felt heard experienced. So they just disassociated and that can happen in varying degrees um Now, I have, again, seen the high-speed healing. It's been remarkable for people who have had different experiences that, or or even if, you know, you've probably heard of people who just the whole time they were on their journey, it was just one scene after another or one excruciating, disturbing, you know, and, and it just went on and on, sometimes for days, right? And so this helps people integrate and release what they've been afraid of, what they didn't understand, what the, got stuck in their body because they started to freeze up. They went into a sympathetic nervous system state, which is the fight, flight, or freeze. And if they go into that state where they don't feel safe, they you can easily get stuck there. And so this will help them integrate back in and release that and get back into a parasympathetic relaxation response. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me, wow, I feel like more like they, say, they use the same words which is interesting they say Deborah I feel more like myself than I did before and that's because they're back in their body and they're integrated with their body mind emotion spirit energy they' they're integrated again they're not splintered off um, some people say for the first time even that they feel heavy and dense like their legs or arms feel heavy when I'm working on them because they're actually in their bodies sometimes for the first time. A lot of people that explore hallucinogenics, they don't really like to be on earth in an earthly body. They want to be out there. And you know, so do I. I like the stars, the sky. If you ask if you ask me to visualize, you know, I go up. I don't go into the earth. I go up. And I think a lot of people who gravitate towards that path, they like to go out and up expanded but they don't like feeling limited in a dense physical body so they don't integrate well sometimes coming back in
0: and have you ever dealt with for example there's a um the founder of pranic healing his name oh. was Cho Kuk soy awesome incredible yes he yes he, he said one of the very problematic uh cases or diseases that a person could have was kundalini syndrome. Mm -hmm. So meditation, spiritual development related sicknesses. Um, Mm -hmm. what has been your experience with that? Because it seems that, um, it's not the case for everyone, but a lot of practitioners at some point they hit some kind of either physical transformation, energetic transformation, or psychological transformation Mm -hmm. that can either be destabilizing or actually illness begins to manifest. Uh, people think different things about it. It's like karmic purification, or it could be a psychotic break. What's your take on on that? I know it's different from case to case, but what have you actually seen?
1: Well, again, there are different stories about it. Um, I didn't know he said that. I, I, I actually was uh, had the privilege of uh, working with Joey Jones, who carried on the pranic uh, healing tradition, and I, I've I've met a lot of those people. Um, I've never studied pranic healing, but I've received it once and then worked on them um and i have a great regard for it um so i know that you know it's given different names and a lot of people do see it as karmic i think again if it's happening in the here and now it's something that applies to the here and now and so even if it does connect to something in the past um, something in the here and now, and it's, it's usually one of two things, beliefs and emotions. And again, if we have certain misunderstandings or fears or doubts or stories about what's happening in our world, in our healing practice, in our whatever, um, that can cause a lot of disruption, including illness. The same with the emotional reaction, because the thoughts, and we're thinking, we know from science, the average person is thinking sixty to 90,000 thoughts a day. So those thoughts are generating an emotional reaction. And emotions are releasing chemicals into us. It's affecting the nervous system, the immune system. The, the hormones get to, can get disrupted. The sleep can get disrupted. Like everything can go wonky and haywire just from thoughts and emotions. This is the precursor to all these physical conditions. So I think we too quickly start telling a story about things instead of examining and releasing the false beliefs and the emotions that get stuffed and stuck. And this is probably at the root of these problematic experiences. Um, When I have worked with people going through what you're describing in every case, I've spotted the ideas that they are thinking and telling themselves are absolutely have not been true, but they're literally making themselves sick over it because they they have a belief typically in two powers a belief in disease a belief in karma a belief in whatever there's a belief in something that's scaring them so the beliefs create this emotion the emotion it, all of this is then showing up in their physical experience does that make sense you follow that yeah i, I think it's really more more to do with that and that we're carrying a beliefs from generations that have been passed down and down and perpetuated and 99.9% of them are, are not true. But if you believe they're true and you imagine, you know, the mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. And then it starts showing up in the body and then you miss, then you're afraid of what you're feeling and experiencing. So that generates more thoughts, more emotions, and you end up in a revolving door that can look like, physical illness or instability mentally, yeah, you do be, feel unstable and you are until you can sort that out and or get it released and work with somebody that can help you. Yeah. Have you ever
0: had to deal with some of the, I guess people that are further along um, when it comes to the, the spectrum in meditation or awakening there can be this kind of destabilization that happens from the falling away of the sense of individuality.
1: Um, Yes. In fact, I went through that actually. Right. Right. Yeah. Where people think they're going to die. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They, or
0: or they, or they feel there's a gradual withering that's happening. Do do you feel that that's, um, that's just necessary or is it there's, there can be something wrong with that
1: there is a withering of the ego of the structure that we think we are i mean we aren't who we think we are and we're certainly not a body we have a body but we're not a body and so when that awakening happens and people start to recognize um wow i'm not a body and they start literally experiencing themselves as a state of consciousness as a field of awareness I I have seen, and I went through this and I have spoken to people who they they think they're just going to disintegrate and leave. And and they could, but the fear usually kicks in, which and it's the fear that grounds them back to planet earth. So, yeah, the fear of vibration will keep you here. And if it's not time to go, it's not time to go, and until you're a master, where you're going to decide when you come and go, which I haven't met anyone yet that is completely able to do that. I'm sh- I know there are, but I have not met someone who can drop the body and then bring it back at will. Um, well, that's that's not to say maybe I have met, but I don't know that they're able to do that. Let's put it. That they, way.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure they don't go around just telling
1: <laughs> yeah that. Right. But yeah, people do go through a shaky period and, you know, also at that time, you'll also hear things like nothing has any more meaning and they, there's no more goals and they feel, they can feel lethargic and like, what's the purpose? What's the point? It doesn't mean anything anyway. And um, i watch watched people give away houses and cars and jewels and everything they own. And, you know, just cause it doesn't matter anymore. So there is a deconstruction before the reconstruction. Let's put it that way.
0: Beautifully put.
1: That, that's pretty common and maybe necessary. I don't know. I, I can't say black and white if it's necessary for everyone, but I've certainly seen a lot of people go through that.
0: When, when you went through it, yeah, you, know, you had the you had the grace of the power flowing through you, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. when you went through it, did you ever really feel empty and alone, or it just felt like you were vanishing? But there was still this greater reality that was ever present.
1: Well, I felt the presence of the love and the connection, and I knew I was not alone, alone. But I also i I felt a huge chasm in my. What, what used to be my physical life and the people that I was ha- in, with in that life. And so literally for me, all this great healing ability, but everything changed. You have to understand the husband, bye-bye the house, bye-bye the career, bye-bye. Like I had a chair and a blanket and moved into a little tiny condo and started over. And that's where I had those meditative experiences, me and four white walls. And I spent that first year, it was the happiest year of my life, but I had nothing, nothing and no one. And everyone thought, including my own family, she's cracked up. They um, And I, I had to literally say to some people, don't call me, I'll call you if and when I'm ready, I'm working on myself. And it created a chasm in certain relationships, some that were never repaired, because they they weren't meant to they the, the form of it needed to change because we weren't we had nothing in common anymore now that's not to say that it made me spiritually higher better than anyone i've since that time i can be anywhere and talk to anyone and feel a connection but at that time and i've watched a lot of people go through this too and they say oh well my husband or my spouse or my roommate or my family, they don't understand me now. And they're all focused on all these things that aren't important now. And they they won't change. And, you know, they they go through what I call the evangelistic stage, (laughs) the evangelical stage. Um, It just doesn't work. And so, yeah, I went through a period of where I felt a mixture of the the highest high and the best I've ever felt, and also the oh my god, like what am I? Where am I? Who am I? What's my life about? At, at the same time, for a while.
0: And how long did that period last?
1: Well, it was that first year, um, up and down that first year. But I spent so much time. In prayer meditation nature journaling and working you know and open to the guidance and the books and the works like I spent I just threw myself into all of whatever came at me um, that by the end of that year I I really had a, a psychic change that I felt you know really happy like in a way I've never felt in my life and fulfilled and I had no stuff I didn't even know what I was going to do the rest of my life. That's actually why I went back to school. But I, I felt like I had a clean slate. Like my entire old life, just all of it, all at once, was gone. And I had a new life. And at first I was in what I call the during And in the during between the old life and the new life, I didn't know what the hell was going on for a while. And I I didn't know what to tell people. I realized people said, what are you doing? I had no more story. I had no more great things to tell them. I recognized that my title is not who I am and I had nothing to tell them. I wasn't doing any great things in the world. And they would look at me like a little odd, right? Because I was journaling and walking in nature and meditating and they're like, oh my God. So it was uncomfortable to say the least, but a lot came out of that. Everything came out of that. You know, the during was so valuable and it's like winter. It looks like nothing's happening, but when spring hits, everything blooms again. It's been happening under the surface that whole winter. Well, I went through that. The during is the winter.
0: You said everything happened there. I think that's so critical because when this starts to hit. It's so destabilizing for some people that they almost want to just run away from it, or drink it away, or do whatever they can to, to just avoid this uh, this specific phase. But I, I think it's it's so critical. And even looking back on on my life, that that moment where you just actually surrender and you die yes. into that mystery. Yes. So. So,
1: so powerful so <laughs> profound. it really is but you know what ryan it's also why it's so wonderful to have people like you because if someone was going through that and had a, a, a safe space to go to talk about the experience and realize a they're not cracking up b they're not alone there and c they can get through it and there's even guides to people that they could trust to help them get through it it would make it a hell of a lot easier than trying to always be alone and isolated through that experience I mean, there's value in it, of course, but there are some people that don't, you know, they don't make it.
0: Right. So it's and it's so different. It's so different these days because you have a life, a lifetime of experience in this Mm -hmm. field, healing, spiritual awareness, meditation. So you see, I'm sure you see all these little guppies starting to just pop and wake up. They're making all the same (laughs) mistakes. The evangelism, <laughs> the separation, <laughs> yeah. the ego overblow, uh, the me me me, the leading with trauma—all of yep. it.
1: Yep, and they're going to want that car back too. <laughs> 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 they're going to find that they do want to drive and not walk everywhere.
0: But that is that is awesome. Well, well, hey Deborah, we're almost at the top of the hour. Is there a last piece of advice that you want to share with the audience before we go?
1: Yes, thank you. I would like to say this if you are suffering in any way shape or form there's a tendency to pull back at the very moment you need to lean in and so i would say don't be afraid of what you're going through lean in talk about it find someone you trust where you feel safe you don't have to share your deepest darkest secrets all at once just test the water You feel safe take the next step and the next step but don't give up and and pull away and isolate because you may be blown away by what's right around the corner and you're trying to figure it out on your own when there's really people that would help you and make it smoother sailing you know you wouldn't take a boat out into the ocean without sailing lessons so lean in and ask and you will find.
0: Lean in, wonderful, Deborah. <laughs> Where can people find you?
1: InternationalCPI.com. Please reach out, email me. There's lots of resources there. There's a copy of my my book. You're welcome to grab a free copy of Why Do I Still Hurt? Um, other events all the time, and I would love to help you.
0: Fantastic. Deborah, what a wonderful talk.
1: Thank Looking forward to
0: part two, okay?
1: Yes. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye-bye.